We're back from the internationals and also back to the poetry in motion. That's Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea. So with three more points in the bag and five wins out of five, it seems that this new style of play is only going to get better with time. I mean, thanks to the genius of the big-bottomed Belgian Eden Hazard. <laughs> now with the Europa League coming up on Thursday, will Sarri rotate the side? Who steps into Kovacic's role if he remains out? And lastly, how will we fare against the West Ham side who seems to have goals in them all of a sudden? All that and much more on this episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But without further ado, I have to introduce my co-host and I have to say newfound bowling enthusiast. Wow. Wow. Song How you, you doing? You would bring up bowling, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, hey man, it's uh it's the new talk of the town between us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh Zach is in a bowling league and I got invited to join the league from a, a mutual friend, so I'm on a different team. And uh, we gave you a good uh, <laughs> ass last, last week. week it was my team against Zach's team, and uh, clean sweep, baby. It was not even close. <laughs> I gotta say, and yeah, just Zach, your your team won last year too, right? So you guys are reigning yeah. champs. Yeah, we're the okay. we're the defending yeah. champs. I, I I I knew we stood no chance, but yeah. Fun fact: Zach is actually really good at bowling, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, just a bit. And he has his own bowling ball and bowling shoes. So I do. Uh, you guys can. You know, think however you want about that information. I'm just giving it to you. Nothing too fancy. I literally <laughs> bought the cheapest bowling shoes on Amazon last year. And, hey, like, they turned out being though. pretty comfortable. They're so. fresh. Yeah, sure. they are. Um, Why don't we just get right into it? Yeah, it was – this uh Cardiff match was pretty much exactly how we described it, right? Um, I mean, if, if you listen to our preview of the of the game – uh, we pretty much said that it it would it wouldn't be an issue. It in the first couple minutes, I did. I I must admit, I was a little bit worried. They went up on a on a pretty nice uh goal by not Mo Bamba but Soul Bamba, um, and you know it it, it pretty much you know if if you were to recall this game and just to look at the score four one, there there's no way that you remember us being down one zero because. I mean, during the time, of course, I was worried. But by the end of the match, I totally forgot that we were even down at one point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's fair to say after that, after they scored, which was a really nice set-piece goal and just terrible defending. Oh, oh yeah. No, Jorginho and Giroud just left Bamba wide open at the far post. But still, I mean, the way we responded to going a goal down was really promising. Yeah. And um, Eden Hazard dropping a hat trick helped too. Oh, so yeah, that's baby. that's obviously the main talking point of this match. Um, four shots, three on target for Eden Hazard, a hat trick, which included one penalty, but two Still really, counts. really nice goals. Um, it's both assisted from amazing passes from Drew, who we'll get into more in, in a little bit. Uh, but back to Hazard, 79 total touches, which accounted for not, seven not, point. I'm sorry, did I say 79? 97. Yeah. I'm, I'm dyslexic. Go. 97 total touches, which accounted for 7.7% of the game's total possession an 89% pass completion rate this season on five appearances alone. He has five goals and two assists. Um, so an, an amazing rate. Um, sorry was quoted after the match um, saying, I thought Hazard was one of the best players in Europe, but now I'm changing my mind. He is the best. I think he can challenge for the golden boot. I've talked with Eden and told him that he can score 40 goals, 40 goals. Nice. He has to improve some things, but he can do it. Does he believe me? <laughs> if you have seen the match today, you will say yes. 
I, I love these translated quotes. It's like, I feel like I'm talking like a robot, <laughs> but, but, but still, I mean, Eden Hazard is a, is a man on fire right now. Um, Sorry is, is not alone and think that he's the best player in the world today. Um, I agree. And I think a lot of footballing fans agree. Um, well, not in the world, sorry, at least in the league, but Zach, do you think there's anyone better than Eden Hazard right now? Definitely not in a Premier League. And yeah, and the thing me, is, yeah, clarify Premier League. He he's been he's been the best in a Premier League before, but he's just never seemed to put a consistent run of three or four years together of just like pure elite football for thirty eight plus games. But I know most Chelsea fans agree with me when I say he's probably the most unplay unplayable footballer uh, in the league right now, and arguably the most informed player in Europe. Um, bold statement, but I mean, the stats back it up five appearances, five goals, two assists, just completely taking over the game. And it's just the way he picks his attacking positions in this system. You know, sorry, gives him the license to kind of roam and do whatever the fuck he wants, which is exactly what he needs to be doing. Um, he's just impossible to cover for defenders. And, you know, we've all been dying to see how he, how he fares in an attacking system like this, um, with that free roll, like I was talking about. And, I mean, he's just taken an opportunity to the fullest extent. You know, I mean, how many hat tricks did he have for Chelsea prior to 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 Maurizio Sarri coming in? I think it was only one, yeah, right? I think only one. And uh, and I mean, in under five games under Sarri, he he's already done it. So, you know, I, I think I think the World Cup had a lot to do with it. I think that was a good springboard for him because I mean, that Belgium team, although with all that firepower, you know, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Dries Mertens, I mean, that was his team, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and we saw it through his performances, especially in the knockout rounds, especially especially against Brazil. I mean, that that was probably one of the best games I've seen Eden Hazard playing. So, you know, he he's looking more selfish in front of goal, and I mean, he should continue to do so as the season rolls on. Um, Forty goals, yikes, that's so many. Um, but I think he could do it if he does play in the Europa League. I think that's the key because you know, in, in thirty-eight Premier League games, it's really it's going to be. In, really really hard to score you know a goal a game even at 38 so mm-hmm. um but i i see no reason why he can't be a potential candidate for the ballon d'or if he continues um to stay in form like this for the foreseeable future yeah and i think you know i i alluded to it earlier but um olivier Giroud, if if, if he keeps on playing the way he does i think that'll that'll help Eden Hazard's case and reaching 40 goals this season. Um, Because the two of them together, I mean, Giroud just excels Hazard's play. Um, And just in this past game, he had two assists on on four key passes. Um, Eden Hazard said in an interview after the match, uh, Olivier is a target man, maybe the best in the world. I think so. When he gets the ball, he can hold the ball and we can go in deep with him. So for us, it's a pleasure to play with him. I mean, his hold-up play was key to unlocking the Cardiff back four, especially in the first half. Um, after a match like this, does he need to be our main target man now? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it matters what I think. If Eden wants him to be the main man up front, that's exactly what he should get because this is his team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, I don't think Hazard's quote is as far-fetched as a lot of people made it out to be. Um, obviously Giroud's not the type of guy that's going to go in and be prolific and, and, and be that, you know, uh, 20 plus goal a season, you know, striker. Um, 
but you know he's just so good at playing those one touch flicks and great at holding off defenders and and those wall passes inside of the box those little you know 3 to 5 yard passes those are some of the toughest passes to make um so if you want to talk about being a target man just a point of reference somebody that'll do it on both sides of the ball that'll drop in that'll bring other players in um i don't think there's anybody better than Drew at the moment um i mean we saw it in Euro 2016 um he kind of freed up Griezmann to 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 dominate parts of that tournament and then we saw it in uh in the World Cup, even though France was more pragmatic this time around, Giroud allowed Griezmann, Mbappe, Pogba to just kind of roam and do whatever the hell they wanted on in the attack because you know he was great at holding up the ball and bringing it and bringing them into the play. So, um, going back to how prolific he is, I, I think it's an interesting point because if we play Morata, I think Morata gets more goals, um, but I don't think we'll be as successful um, because I think Maurizio Sarri's identified, hey. Eden Hazard's my best player. What team and what system should I put around him to make him thrive? And Giroud's the obvious option, um, especially with Pedro being the perfect complement on the other side. Always trying to find space in the box, um, in and around the box, actually. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't think it matters if Giroud scores, you know, 15-plus goals this season. I could actually see Giroud banging in somewhere between 20, 10 and 12 goals if he if he continues to start every game. Um, but be somewhere in the, between 15 and 20 assists. Um, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. Um, I, the man's a World Cup winner, and you know, even though he doesn't score goals, he gets assists. He's great at making plays in the box, um, and we saw that. I mean, both both assists, he was pretty much off balance, getting getting held back by a defender, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And and he still finds ways to find the open man and. You know, that's just completely invaluable for the clubs. I mean, how Arsenal couldn't find use for him anymore is beyond me. And I guess one shit club's trash is another great one's treasure, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, emphasize on the shit club. And I think uh, you made a really great point. Um, it's a very interesting point that, you know, even though if, if, if we were to start Murata in all these games, he would probably score more goals. It's, it's, it's Giroud's impact um, on the rest of the players that really makes our team better. Um, Sky Sports had a really great graphic uh, up during the match, uh, or I don't know if they had it up today, but I saw it online. Um, it's comparing Eden Hazard with and without Giroud um, on the on the pitch for all competitions for Chelsea. So with Giroud, in 990 minutes, Hazard has nine goals. So that's 110 minutes per goal. Without, 622 minutes and one goal. So 622 minutes per goal. So, uh, I mean... If you guys want to recollect those numbers, just rewind it real quick. I know there's a lot of numbers, but um, 110 minutes per goal versus 222 minutes per goal. That's the number you need to to, to take away from that. Um, just the way that he's been playing. I mean, if you just need, if, if you could just watch his uh, two assists in this match, especially that second one where he really laid out for it and stretched his body for it, and um, you know that's that's the kind of effort. And you know, willingness to put your body on the line for the for like the extra necessary step, you know, that's the difference between a goal and and nothing. You know, like I mean, I don't, I don't even, see I don't see Murata making that same play. I just don't think Murata has that same type of awareness. I mean, no. uh, Giroud there, has that awareness play. of where his teammates are at all times. I mean, he very rarely misplaces a pass when presented the opportunity. And I think that just the philosophy that Sari brings to the team. I think that is 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 on his mind more. 
you know, the, the, just the thought of, okay, well, how can I make the extra pass? Um, you know, obviously they've been, they've been practicing that, um, in training. So, um, you know, it's becoming a little bit more natural for him, but it, it's, it's really interesting to see the transformation of Giroud in the system. He's, and he's, he's been amazing for us. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of Zlatan-esque how he's seemed to hit like this peak form, you know, late post 30. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's 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 just so, it's just interesting to me how you know usually you associate a 32 year old striker with someone who's on a downslope, mm-hmm. and a 32 year old Olivier Giroud started for France pretty much every game except I think the first one because he was injured mm-hmm. in the World Cup. But I mean now he's coming in to this Chelsea side and doing it for us not by scoring goals but creating. Mm-hmm. So I mean that, that's just completely invaluable at this point. Well, a guy who did score a goal this past match and what a goal that was, William. Um, that curler um, just came on, made an instant impact initially by winning us a penalty, um, a very dumb tackle by the, the Cardiff defender, but uh, I mean, absolutely a penalty. And then followed it up with just a, a sublime curler into the top corner, perfect first touch and just ripped it into the corner. Um, it's, it's, it's a, again, a tough, it's a really good issue to have. Willian and Pedro, um, you know, it's like, which one do you start? But, you know, I think, I think Willian often gets criticized for his lack of a final product at times, but I mean, when it, <laughs> when it does, when it does actually go through, I mean, he only scores pretty goals, doesn't he? I mean, there's the perfect example I could think of. There's this compilation on YouTube that Chelsea released and it's just a compilation of his best goals. And oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you look at that, um, if you look at that little montage they have, every single goal is just a thing of beauty. And it's his, it's really his technique when he strikes the ball. I mean, he, he, he could do it from dead ball situations, which we saw um, in, in that terrible, terrible season where, where he seemed to be our main guy. But um, also while the ball is moving and, and a lot of it has to do with his first touch, just that technique, just to get the ball out from under his feet really quick and just whip it into the top corners. Oh God. Like I, I, I popped right out of my seat when I saw <laughs> that. And I, I actually had the game recorded. Um, and, and when I came back and watched it, like I already knew the score and I already knew that William was going to score, you know, mm-hmm. um, sometime late in the second half, but my God, I did not think that it was just going to be this ridiculous, FIFA esque goal, yeah, <laughs> um, right into the top corner. It's just, just ridiculous. It doesn't and already any... and already being up three one just made it that much more like wow. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, he was he was an instant impact. And, and to say, you know, just to talk about that goal would be doing him an injustice because he came on and immediately won us a penalty yeah. within you know the first seven minutes of him being on the pitch. Um, stupid tackle, by the way. Yeah. Um, he kind of did us a favor. You know, most. Nine times out of ten, a Premier League center back doesn't make that challenge. Um, but like I said last week, Cardiff is full of a bunch of championship players. Um, and that was just a perfect example. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing that the, the thing that was interesting was, I mean, we talked about Pedro last week and how great he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, he, he, he did struggle a little bit. I think it's impossible to talk about Willian and not discuss Pedro or vice versa. Because that yeah. that just has it has to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it always does. Just because I mean, Pedro has been amazing this season, but I mean, just in this past match, he did struggle a bit. Um, he should have done better with a few of his chances. He did 
um, create, uh, you know, get fouled and create the last chance that, you know, uh, I mean, sorry, the second goal with a nice run, a great pass from Marcus Alonso to him and, you know, the, the, the service to Giroud who, who tapped it off to Hazard, but, you know, that, that goal had his name written all over it. But, um, b- besides that he did, he did struggle. Um, and obviously, you know, player of Williams qualities, you know, fantastic option off the bench and vice versa. When Pedro comes on, do you think sorry is going to continue rotating them as needed or what, what's going to be the, what's going to be the deal with them? I mean, I think so. Uh, sorry did rotate his front three at Napoli quite often. Um, but like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Having two players who bring so much to the table when they when they're on the pitch um, is just an awesome problem to have, right? Because I mean, you got Pedro, who's a little bit more direct. I mean, he's always he's always in and around the box trying to find space to operate and and and, and you know take a quick snapshot. Where you got William, who's a little bit better on the ball, a little bit quicker, and is more is is able to beat defenders one v one. I mean, it's 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 just two completely different playing styles. But I think the main thing is that you have two players with fantastic quality, but who also complement Hazard mm-hmm. and complement well with Hazard. Um, it just makes me that much more confident when either of them start in a match. I mean, Hazard talked about it last year, and 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 it was a big problem he had with Conte, where you know he wasn't playing much with William. And, you know, we, we saw Chelsea play some of their best football last year when William was on the pitch. But the year before, we played some of our best football when Pedro was on the pitch, when we won the title. Um, I think he had like 11 goals or 12 goals that season. And we're starting to see Pedro recreate that form that he had in our title-winning season. But at the same time, I think Sarri is making a more conservative effort to somehow incorporate William into the squad. Um, he loves the substitute. Um, early on in matches. He's not afraid to make changes. And that's something that I love about Sarri. You know, he, he doesn't hesitate to make changes like Conte or Mourinho did. Yeah, because that's it's, a big change from from what we've been what we've been accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're used to seeing subs happen in maybe the last 15 minutes if we're lucky, if not the last 10 or the last mm-hmm. five, just a quick defensive sub. But Sarri just keeps pouring it on. I mean, what, what does it do to other teams when you're already – um, or, I mean, just look at Cardiff's situation. You're, you're, you played pretty well up to about halfway through the second half, and then you, you know, you're, you're down two one at Stamford Bridge, one of the toughest places to play, and then they bring on a player of Willian's quality, and yeah, then Kovacic, that's, that's got her hurt. That's got her and hurt. before, and before that, Kovacic gets hurt, and then we bring on a, bring on a player like Ross Barkley, who did, play, who he, actually played well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and Kovacic was doing well also, and I, I just want to mention really quick, that little that little diamond on the left-hand side with Marcus Alonso, Kovacic, and Hazard, I mean, their interchange is just ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I went and I said it a couple weeks ago, we have the strongest left-hand side in the Premier League, and that was just proof, like, I, I couldn't think of a better example than that Cardiff match, especially in the second half before Kovacic went off. I know I know he got subbed out, like, early on, early on, you know. I think it was, like, a 51st or 52nd minute. But, I mean, for that period of time in the second half, there was a couple exchanges between them three that was just, like, completely unbelievable. And, and, and just, it's just a squad depth that we have. Everybody seems to understand their roles, but it's a combination of understanding your roles, the squad depth, and the quality, and it's just all meshing really, really well together. And the scary thing for the rest of the league is that we haven't even 
really hit our stride yet. I mean, we're a team that's still learning, and we're five and zero. A convincing five and zero. Granted, we haven't really played anybody, um, a- anybody ridiculously good yet. Um, I mean, maybe maybe you could make that argument for Arsenal now that they've hit nah. some, some sort of form. But nah, you're right. The first time. When we when, we when we played Arsenal, they were still a work in progress as well. So you always take that game with a little grain of salt. Um, but you know, it's just something it's just something to look forward to as the season goes on. I mean, some of some of the interplay that match was just breathtaking. And even watching it back recording, I was just like, wow, we look unbelievable. And I've never seen Chelsea play like I that. I know it's really nice. I mean, it's it's been a while since the teams had the confidence and the swagger and. I think like a really great chemistry going on too among everyone. I mean, I think everyone's getting along great, and it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's so nice to be watching this kind of football. And like, you know, I mean, I thought, I thought this season, starting off the season, was going to be, uh, you know, just, I mean, coming off of last season and, um, you know, what the changes that we made, and, you know, I, I, I had, I had very low hopes for this season, and so far I've been c- completely proven wrong. But um, I kind of want I want to just say one last thing about William versus Pedro. Do you think that his decision, Sari's decision on which one to start, is that based more off of a uh, form and fatigue, or do you think that it it some of it is matchup based? Like for example, do you think that there are certain teams that William is better equipped against, or you know vice versa, Pedro's more like well equipped against? I, I think it's based mainly on who we're playing against. Uh, Pedro's better when, when, when we pack it in because it allows Hazard to tuck in, and Pedro almost plays as a second striker um, next to Giroud. And, and it just it just seems to work better when we have teams that sit in deep against us. But if we're going to be playing any of the top six who like to have the ball, you know, the Tottenham's, the Arsenal's, the Man City's, um, basically everybody except Man United – because they don't like to have the ball. But if we're going to be playing a team where where the counterattack is more of an option um, and, and we need a quick outlet that's a little bit more pacey and reliable, then I would probably go with William. And I think Sari sees it as the same. Uh, uh, Sari sees it the same mm-hmm. way. Um, Pedro hasn't he, – he very rarely plays on the ball in this system if you notice. You know, most of the time he's just making – he's making diagonal runs constantly. That That's all he's doing. And William comes in and he kind of takes up – the similar role to Hazard, where you know he could play out wide and take players one v one, but he could also tuck in inside and play as a play as a number ten, if you will, and just kind of create. So I, I think it does depend on who we're playing against. But if we're going to be playing against sides that pack it in, I would go with Pedro strictly because of the final product and and just the fact that he's a lot more direct. Yeah, and I think also the obvious best benefit of having the both of them is that we're able to sit Hazard when needed and not fear that you know. Like we're not going to be as good because both of them. I mean, obviously we're not going to be as good, but you know, both of them together is like a serves serviceable pair of wingers. You know, I mean, they're both title-winning wingers. I mean, Pedro in 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 La Liga and in the Premier League. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, William's been with us for God knows how long, and he's just been great for us since he came. So, two really good options to have. I'm so glad that we didn't let either of them go. Yeah, and a lot of people. I think it's funny because a lot of people were talking shit when we when we extended Pedro's contract, but. I kind of knew deep down that he was going to take up this Cajon role and just kind of be that guy who chips in, uh, who, who chips in a crucial goal here and there, and 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 it's coming off and it's looking it's looking great. Yeah, and I think those people who hated it at first the deal are kind of looking at it now and not minding it so much now, right? 
Yeah, I mean, when I first looked at the deal, they saw his age and they saw the way he played last season. Sure, yeah. Probably like, oh, fuck. But, Which is reasonable I mean, as well to think. Yeah, that. yeah. It, it is a reasonable argument. I mean, he didn't have a great season last year. But it's Pedro is so useful when when he's under the right manager and in the right system. And I think that this is just the perfect uh, – he, he, he seems like the perfect foil for Hazard. And and at the same time, you can make the same argument for Willian because the proof is in the pudding. I mean, Hazard and Willian have won titles together as well. All right, so enough with Cardiff. We'll leave those Welshmen alone. Um, let's get into team news and the, the speed round portion. I don't want to have to explain it again. If you guys are new, you can just listen to an old episode and I'll hear Whoa. my explanation. <laughs> oh, a bit lazy there, huh? No, nah, that's actually just a strategy to get uh, more views on our old episode. So you're welcome. <laughs> Marketing like 101. Um, so first topic, N'Golo Conte, this is a great story. He missed the train back from Cardiff. Uh, to visit a local mosque and uh, even accept an invite to someone's house for curry and tea and a game of FIFA. So, uh, is this the is it the nicest guy in the whole world? Um, I don't know what else he has to do before we start calling him Mother Teresa. To be <laughs> Father <laughs> I mean, Teresa, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just such a nice. He's a saint. Yeah, he I, he really is. He's just he just seems like the nicest, most humble person in the world. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is the nicest guy in the world. Mauricio, sorry, thinks Hazard can get forty goals this season. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, is he hitting a new level? Anything is possible with his talent, um, and if he maintains this run of form and he keeps producing like he is, I mean, I see no reason why he can't be in a Ballon d'Or conversation and. Possibly in that same bracket as the Ronaldo's, Messi's, and Neymar's of the world. So, do we see Callum Hudson, Madoy, Ampadu, and Christensen uh, getting a start on Thursday? Good God, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, nice. we, we really—I've I, been dying to see Callum Hudson, Madoy, and I just think this is the perfect match for him. You know, a really intense environment in Greece. Um, not the greatest quality opponent ever, so it'll be a good chance for him to, you know, uh, t- to show us what he's made of. Yeah, and also a great international break for Ampadu, actually. Um, he, he, he did really well. Oh, um, my God, yeah. Uh, uh, he, and he's playing at the base of midfield also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is really enticing. Um, Wilfred Zaha, he hit out at officiating this weekend by claiming that top players don't get protected enough by the referees. Uh, Zach, do you agree with that or – Hazard should have done this years ago, man. And it's, it, and and finally, I'm just glad Zaha, you know, called him out like that. And and I think he said something along the lines of, I mean, I I think I have to get my leg broken for the referee to show uh, the opposing player any type of card. And I, I I completely agree. I don't think the 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 flair players, especially the 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 top wingers in the league, are getting protected. Yeah, I think the most it's shocking. Been like that for years. I think the most shocking thing about the quote is that Wilfred Zaha considers himself as being one of the top players. But oh, I think it, I think no doubt he's a top player. He's way too good for Crystal Palace, and, and their fans know That's it. True. Too. That's true. That's uh, true. Captain's armband. Who gets it? All right, this is a this is an interesting one because I said earlier this week in a Twitter poll that one of our followers posted that uh, I had some banter with him too, but. Um, I said Dave should be our captain, but I'm going to officially rescind my vote song, um, and give the armband to, to Eden Hazard. Wow, a, a player, A player in that kind of form with that much responsibility 
he he deserves the armband every time. And it's not a knock on Dave, but but this is Hazard's team. Zach, you can't let these Twitter trolls get in your head, man. Hey, it's not the Twitter trolls. It's it's the big bottom Belgian. <laughs> That's true. Actually, yeah, I can't argue against that. All right, let's get into this uh, PAOK preview. So PA PAOK, they won their first three matches in the Greek Super League. Um, three matches, but. You know they're 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 one of the biggest clubs in Greece, but three matches and only seven points. Why is that, Zach? Uh, that's because um, interesting fact. This is actually the only thing that me and Zach know about PAOK. Um, is that this last season the the owner invaded the pitch with a gun? Um, so that <laughs> so they got a point deduction. So I think it's pretty safe to say things will pop off in Greece. Uh, hopefully we'll take a lot of shots oh um, yeah maybe uh if Murata plays uh he can start firing against them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah safe to say i hope we murder them right uh yeah uh i mean i guess if a Jorginho plays uh you know certainly he'll rifle in a pass for a nice assist right <laughs> <laughs> hey Hey, if if our young lads play, I'm expecting them to be locked and loaded for a great match. Oh, that, that, on, that's all I gotta say. Uh, yeah, maybe also we, you know, we can also put in William again as a super sub, machine gun. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, yeah, I think that's right, that, that that's thing. more than enough. Right. Oh that god. that's actually where we end it. That's probably the most effort we've put into writing <laughs> one of these scripts. Uh, uh, to be honest. You know, yeah. Yeah. I definitely that was my you could I think everyone can tell this is the this is the part where I I, I had I, I had a strong say in what was going to be involved in the script because of how bad the jokes were. Um, yeah. Oh my god! So um, so what, will sorry rotate in this match? I mean, what kind of lineup you would you like to see? Um, I I guess I'll just go ahead and name the starting eleven that I'd like to see, and uh, and and I'll explain some of the controversial decisions and why. Um. I'd go Marcin Bolka in goal, uh, Zapacosta and Emerson um, out wide um, with Christensen and Cahill playing in between them. That's our back four. I'd actually have Ampadu playing as the six, uh, sort of that Jorginho role, that, that, but but also you know a bit of a midfield destroyer. I mean I would play Cesc Fabregas there. I have, the, I have him in a lineup as well, but Ampadu is a lot more mobile and, and he'll be able to cover the ground. So I have Ampadu, Barkley, and Cesc playing in the midfield. Callum Hudson, Adoy, Willian, and Murata playing up top. So, so did Rob Green die? Is did I miss that? I know he's old, but I mean, Rob Green is still alive. He's still doing well. Okay, great. So, but, uh, so what's up with the with the, with that decision? Well, I mean, Caballero would have been the obvious wow. one. Wow, I mean, because he was our Over backup last year. But no, Marcin Bolka gets man. in it. Marcin Bolka for me. I mean, he he looked good in preseason and. Caballero had a nightmare of a World Cup, and I just I, I'm terrified to see him in a Chelsea kit again, unless it's during a penalty shootout. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the next one I guess is Ethan Ampadu. I mean, I have him starting at the base of midfield. I won't be mad if he starts at center back. I have Cahill in at center back, partially for sentimental reasons and because I'm a little bit biased because Cahill's a god to me. Um, but you know, Ampadu was fantastic during the international break in the Welsh midfield, right? I mean, he even had a, a killer pass with his left foot. It wound up being an assist. So I, I think Sarri could benefit from playing him there. And in the absence of Conte, um, you know, we really don't have another ball-winning midfielder. So if he wants to rest, rest in Golo Conte, which, I mean, I think he should, um, 
I could totally see Ampadu slotting in and, and being that midfield destroyer because he could also distribute the ball well. And Golo Kante doesn't need rest. He's a robot. Yeah, literally a robot. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi needs to play. I think he's going to play. I think Sari is going to start him. Um, he's very high on him. I'll be shocked if he doesn't get the starting nod. Um, but the interesting thing is I have Willian playing on the other side as opposed to Victor Moses because – you know, Willian could take up that Hazard role like I talked about. You know, he he's great on the ball. He could beat defenders one-on-one, and he could create. Morata's um, going to start up top. Sorry, I already talked about that, so I don't want to get too into it. But, yeah, I mean, that's basically my starting 11. I think it's more than enough to beat a side like PAOK. Um, I mean, I think their star player is Chuba Akpom. And uh, mm. half of you probably don't even know who it is, but uh-huh. he's a... He's a Arsenal youth product who turned out to be shit. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and now he's on a random team in Greece with a gun-wielding owner. So, I just, um, you know, out of all jokes aside about Rob Green, I'm, I'm really surprised how you feel about Caballero because, I mean, do, do you really think he had that bad of a World Cup? I mean, the game, the, the, the game that really lost him the starting spot was against Croatia, if I recall correctly. I mean, yeah, and Croatia that. was, you know, runners up, runners up in the World Cup. So, I mean, like. It, it, I don't know. I, I feel like it's crazy to completely lose confidence in a guy over one match when we've seen, you know, our own, our own goalies just have awful matches and, you know, we still, we still Listen, are okay with them. That, that back pass. Yeah. I mean, that, that pass the Rebic, which is the one that I could, I'm still play, replaying it in my mind. That was god awful. I mean, and, and, and Caballero's always been kind of a kamikaze type uh goalkeeper right i mean he's always he's always been really self-destructive at times i mean but, I, I think I, you see that peter check quote because you know that he, he got a lot of crap for his passing he almost had a really bad pass for like an own goal and he said something about you know having one bad pass as opposed to 200 and you know your guys are going to define me over that one bad pass and i feel the same way about i really do feel the same way about caballero caballero because I think he played really well for us last season when he was uh, asked to start, and I don't know. I mean, Volca did play really well in the preseason, so this this uh, my point isn't saying that we should start with uh, Willie over Volca. My point is I can't believe that you actually lost like all all faith in him. I didn't lose all faith in him, but I mean, you look at Marcin Volca. He's a young goalkeeper who should have went out on loan, and the reason why he didn't go out on loan is because Sari probably has a plan for him. Okay. So, you know, I mean, you got a young goalkeeper who's still in a squad, um, who's not out on loan when he probably should be. I mean, he needs game time to get better, right? And and, and I think this is just a good opportunity for him. I, I, I could see him starting all the Europa League matches and, you know, the first few rounds of the Carabao Cup if we get past Liverpool. Because I think, you know, we need to put on our strongest side against Liverpool. Yeah, I think but. I think that's fair. No, I like I like I like starting Volca in, in goal. Um so is there anything else you want to add to this match? Uh, you excited I mean, for, for Thursday nights? Thursday nights, baby. Doesn't get better than that. I mean, it, listen, it, people, we knocked the Europa League last year. Um, but the reality of it is Chelsea fans really get up for it for the most part um, because it's another trophy. A trophy is a trophy. So if we go out, I know we're fielding uh, a lineup that's not – anywhere near our strongest but i mean we got to go into this tournament with every intention of winning it um, because top four is not guaranteed it's early days in the season you never know there could be a bad injury god forbid we could go through a dip in form you know it's football anything could happen so i think any trophy is a trophy 
Um, but and, I mean, the the last when we won the Europa League, that was the last time we were in Europa League, correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Last time we were in Europa League, we won it. So I mean, Bronislav, obviously, Bronislav Ivanovic, baby. Right, right. And uh, that was Istanbul, right? I think. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it. Or, no, actually, no. Was uh, it? We'll look it up later. Yeah. Um, let's uh let's get into this West Ham match. Um, well, are, aren't you going to give your prediction for the PAOK match? Oh, we're doing predictions. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Um, okay. It's not in the script, but yeah. So let's. Uh, okay, I'm gonna predict three-one, uh, and uh, actually no, two-one, two-one. Any it's hot be... takes? You you give your t- you give your prediction. I'm, let me think of one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two-one, be- mm-hmm. mainly because the side that we're gonna put out. Is going to be unfamiliar with each other. I mean, they're still going to be learning. Um, a lot of these players that are going to be playing haven't even appeared for us yet this season. So, you know, I think I think there's going to be struggles early on. I think eventually, uh, sorry is going to wind up bringing in, you know, maybe uh, Eden Hazard or maybe a Pedro. Um, might even bring in Jorginho just to just be a metronome in that midfield. Who knows? Um, I'm going to say two one in my hot take. Uh, Callum Hudson Adoy is going to be very, very impressive. Okay, I, I I thought of one. Okay, just to make it just to add excitement for this season, I'm predicting a double for Morata and double bold prediction. Ampadu finishes with at least a yellow card. Oh yeah. <laughs> but well, hey, he yeah. loves a challenge, doesn't he? I know he? that that's what I'm saying. It's going to be an ex- it's going to be exciting to watch him. He's going to finish with at least a yellow card. I love him. He he just he just I like defensively, that he's just so old school, but but on the ball, he's he's so modern. It, 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 he's great. He's going to be awesome for us. Beast mode. Yeah. Um so let, let's get into the West Ham match. Uh familiar face Manuel Pellegrini. Um he's been around uh managing West Ham former manager of Man City's 13-14 title, obviously. Um, so right now they're sitting 16th in the table. Um, they actually f- picked up their first win at Everton uh, over the weekend. Or I think it was Monday. Uh, it, was, it was Sunday. Um, so they have a horrible defensive record. They conceded 11 goals in five matches um, and somehow just went on a crazy scoring run in this past match. But Besides that, haven't been all too impressive. So, Zach, uh, what's one thing that we got to look out for about West Ham? I mean, I said in the intro, you know, they're a team that seemed to learn how to score all of a sudden. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence because they have added a ton of quality over the summer. Uh, Felipe Anderson, um, a guy that we talked about in um, one of our preseason pods where Chelsea were actually linked to him for a while uh tons of quality from Lazio great on the ball tons of pace he also has that goal scoring ability so he has some sort of final product I mean Marco Arnautovic a guy who's done it time and time again in the Premier League um he might be injured for our match but there hasn't been too much information put out from his injury yet um so something should come out by uh Tuesday or Wednesday um and and they also added Andre Armalenko they bought him from Borussia Dortmund Kind of flopped over there. Didn't have the greatest season, but he's similar to Marko Arnautovic, except he's a little bit more of a winger. Um, you know, great left foot, scored two really good goals last week. So, you know, uh, they do have a threat up top, but you know, it's it's that back line that's just god awful. And yeah, 
you know, we, we really need to score early to pile the pressure on. And, you know, e- even against Everton, even though they won 3-1, Everton should have should have made a run for that uh, for that game. Omar Nias missed the really easy chance uh, late on. That, that could have been 3-2 game back on, but smashed off the top crossbar. So when they're under pressure, um, they give up a lot of chances. And, and with their captain, Winston Reed out, it's, uh, you know, this is something that we have to capitalize on going into the match. Yeah, I think the addition of Felipe Anderson does make them very interesting for this year. Um, but... I mean, I think if there's one thing that all Chelsea fans can agree on is that we hope Chicharito does not get on the pitch because this guy always scores on us. Always. For the love of God, yeah. Please, please no Chicharito sightings. But I, I know for, for he's our English play. listeners, it's actually a double whammy for us uh, in the states when Chicharito scores because he's also killed the U.S. men's national team mm-hmm. multiple times. Also, yeah. Um. So good double God, whammy. please don't play him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's hurt me several times um so i think the next next thing to talk about is you know if Kovacic is out who starts next to Conte and Jorginho um it's hard to say because we don't know who's playing on Thursday but uh i i have an ROC bias i mean everybody knows that wow um and everyone knows what my answer is going to be then yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> everybody knows you, you, Ross Barkley's your boy and Loftus-Cheek is mine. But um, I think Loftus-Cheek in this match, mainly because West Ham's a very physical side, and I just think we need someone big who could shrug off challenges and, and also hold on to the ball. And Ross Barkley's great at that too, don't get me wrong, but Loftus-Cheek is just a lot more direct with his possession and uh, against a defense that's going to be you know, average at best. Um, I, I think he'll be able to thrive more. But even if we do start Ross Barkley, I mean, I don't hate Ross Barkley by any stretch. I thought he was awesome when he came on against Cardiff. Really good at moving the ball and just keeping play going. Um, shrugged off a lot of challenges. He looks so fit this season. Um, and, and and he just looks like he's ready to take his play to the next level. So, you know, whether it's RLC or Barkley, either way, I'm going to be completely confident. And I don't think that it should hinder us at all um, going into the match and, and just based on, you know, what West Ham has to offer. but. Um, you know, either way, I'll be happy. So outside of Arsenal and Tottenham, are West Ham your least favorite club in London? Yes. As an American who started watching the Premier League about 12 years ago, I would say so. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, their fan reputation pretty much speaks for itself. They, 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 they lack the ability to act like grown ass adults. Um, and I can't even begin to count how many times I've watched Chelsea versus West Ham and they would literally kick the shit out of our best players every single time we play. Um, I, they're just annoying as fuck all around, right? And, you know, this 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 false sense of, ent- sense of entitlement that we saw from them the last few years when they've been struggling, this false sense of, oh, we deserve to be in the Premier League, we deserve better. Um, it's, you know, it, it it's... It's ironic, mainly it's, because it's not they, warranted. <laughs> it's not warranted, but it's also ironic because they haven't really won anything since the bubonic plague was making its round. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess the joke, I guess the joke is on them, right? I mean, for me, I think, I mean, obviously Fulham is a big, longtime old rival of Chelsea. The, the rivalry hasn't been as strong lately, but I do keep that rivalry alive because one of my good friends is actually a Fulham fan. 
So it's just constant banter between me and him, between Chelsea and Fulham. So I, I, I'm I keeping it alive in the States between, um, you know, me and my one buddy who's a, who's the only Fulham fan that I know. But um, that, I mean, I, I, that's, I've, I said it's really nice having them back in the Premier League because now, you know, it, it, we can actually destroy them when we play them, you know. They, they, had, they got to avoid us by playing in the championship, which I think was a pretty good strategy. But, you know, you got, they got promoted, so now they got to face us again. I mean, it's nice having Fulham back in a Premier League. I mean, yeah, I, I don't like them. Um, but, but I like playing at, them. It's, at the it's, same always time, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been a solid rivalry. And, and, and that stadium, you know, Craven Cottage does have a, a, a mystique about it. I mean, it's unlike any other stadium mm-hmm. in Europe. And considering that they're that close in proximity, yeah, I mean, th- th- of course there's going to be a rivalry there. But for me, man, I mean, West Ham, really? They're they're the third most annoying London club put, by a country mile. Yeah, but, but I mean, you can't judge them. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine if your club was as shit as West Ham. And like, build a shit you, stadium like West Ham. Wouldn't did. you be pissed too? Wouldn't you be bitter all the time? Yeah, if, if Chelsea <laughs> – if, 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 that's like that's like, you know – that's like us redeveloping Stanford Bridge and putting the dog track back around it and then having the fans sit 25 feet away from the touchline. So, I mean, I do understand I do understand their uh, their frustration there. But at the same time, I mean, you look at their team and you can't really – I mean, especially last year, you look at their roster. You can't really tell me that they deserve to do much better than they did, right? Yeah. Hey, there's one thing I know. There's no way that the PO, PO aka um, owner will ever let their fans – you know, like get get rowdy like that or misbehave. He'll just pull up on them with the strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're lucky yeah. he do, he he owns PAOK and not Weston. Okay, they they, oh, they, yeah. they would be a lot more they'll be things a lot get, more civilized if that happened. Things would get ugly. Um. So, Zach, bold, bold predictions. Uh, Chelsea three nil. Um, that's of course if Arnautovic doesn't play, which I mean it looks kind of likely. Pellegrini didn't look like he was too confident about his injury after the match um, on Sunday. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go Chelsea three nil. I think we have enough to keep him out of our net. Um, and I think without Arnautovic as a reference point, I just don't think they have enough to break us down. And I don't think they're gonna get anywhere near the ball, um, because they're terrible defensively so uh yeah three nil my hot take i mean it's not really a hot take because he's always played well against them but another man of the match performance for me to nazar my prediction is that we'll get a bit of deja vu and i think we went four one again um I, I i have no faith in the west ham uh, defense but i do think I, I, and we didn't even mention keppa but um, I'm still not 100% sold on him yet to, you know, keep a. I don't think he's had a clean sheet yet, still. So I don't think this is the match where he where he starts off. Um, so that I guess that's my bold prediction that again, Kepa does not keep a a clean sheet. I mean, he did make a decent save in the Cardiff match. There was like a quick snapped header, like I think it was in the second half. Yeah. Where, where, you know, he, he kind of flung out and made like a last-ditch save. See, the thing is, he really hasn't had much to do besides taking the ball out of his net, you know, once a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, that's, yeah. that's also, I mean, I, I don't think you could judge the goalkeeper based on clean sheets in this situation, Sam, because, I mean, that's, you have to take Sari's playing style into account also. 
I mean, if we really wanted to put out the best defensive team, I don't think it takes a genius to say that Christensen slots in next to Rudiger instead of David Luiz, but David Luiz has that ability to play those insane passes in, in, in tight spaces, and that's something Sari prioritizes. He His form of defense is possession. Fair point. So Fair point. It's but, just something we have to get used to. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't – it seems like like any of our other backups could be serviceable. And we could have saved that 74 mil. But pro- prove me wrong, please, Kepa. Prove me wrong. I, w- I, would, I would love nothing more than for you to prove me wrong. Yeah, I agree. So anything else, Zach? I think we, we've covered everything, right? No, yeah. I think that's pretty much everything. I mean, solid week. Thank God the international break is over. Zach, but, uh, how, how, how much longer do we stay on top of the table, realistically? If you want, if you could take a quick look at our upcoming fixtures. I mean, we do play Liverpool. I think it's the 29th of September. That'll decide uh, it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that'll be that'll be a good gauge for us because you know Liverpool hasn't necessarily hit their peak form yet, and they still have yet to integrate a lot of the players that should be starting in their team, like Fabinho, um, who's easily their best defensive midfielder. So. I, I'm honestly, I'm not too, too concerned about Liverpool because, you know, we have championship winning players on our team and we, we have title winning players on the squad. And you look at guys like Marcus Alonso, Eden Hazard, Ingolo um, Conte, Olivier Giroud, won a World Cup. I mean, we got a bunch of guys that have just done it time and time again and in the big matches especially. So I'm not too worried about the Liverpool game, to be honest. If I had to make a prediction about how long we would stay at the top of the table or at least like in contention for being in title talks. I mean, I think we're going to ride this wave until about, uh, until about Christmas time. I mean, you I'm know, feeling, I'm feeling great, really, huh? really optimistic. And I love the haters because I mean, there are so many Chelsea haters when, when Liverpool was on top, you know, we were saying, Oh, you know, we're perfect. 12 points. Like, Oh, but Liverpool's up with that goal differential. Now when we're up with goal differential, they're like, ah, uh, you're only up because of goal differential. Like, <laughs> we just can't get the win. <laughs> you know what drives me nuts is the Liverpool fans that are brushing off Hazard Hazard's recent performances by saying like, oh, I'd still rather have Mo Salah on my team. Get the fuck out of here. No way. I'd rather have both. Yeah, I mean, both, <laughs> both would be nice. But, but still, I mean, come on. You cannot compare Mo Salah to... To Eden Hazard, and he had one one season, one season song. And you could compare; it if, wouldn't be a great. It would it would, would not be a great comparison, but I mean, I'm not saying no he's. I'm not saying Mo Salah is not a top player and not sure. one of the best players in the Premier League, but you can. They're that's just the on completely different. That's wavelengths. the comparison. He's one of the top players. That's that's where you stop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's see. Maybe he does it again this season. I mean, he hasn't. He's had a rough start so far. I mean, he he's been playing well, but not. You know, as well the as same, last season, yeah, not the same level. I, I think Liverpool fans are in for a for a surprise if they think Mo Salah is going to bang in thirty <gasps> plus goals again this season. Uh-oh. I just don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Thirty goals is a lot. No, he can yeah. still get twenty. I can still see him getting twenty just because they play like a heavy metal type of football. But... So you think Hazard finishes with more, with more goals or no? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. Love that. Without a doubt. Let's. You know what? Let's earmark that one and bring it back up at the end of the season. Yeah. Hopefully people are still listening. <laughs> Hopefully we still have a podcast. 
anyways, I mean, I mean that that does bring us to the end of the podcast. So, I mean, I, what about you, Sam? Same question. How how long do you think we're gonna stay at the top? I mean, it it's all it all depends. You said it. It all depends on that Liverpool match. Um, and I think that that I mean, I'm just so excited because that's our first test. That's the first real benchmark to see how good this team is because you you said it we haven't have we haven't been challenged that much if we can actually play this well and you know confidently securely beat the top team like liverpool then i'm really sold i'm 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 in for this for this season and and i'm and i'm feeling a title yeah yeah i mean wow the players we have you just said it two months ago two months ago I would be saying that as a joke. Like I would be saying that in jest, but now I'm 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 serious. I mean, this is just a message Crazy. to all of our uh, religious fans. Whatever religion you're from, just say a quick prayer that there's no major injuries because I have a feeling we might have just cursed it, but What? Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's all right. Hey, we're uh, talking about winning the title and Hey, and Golo Conte he went to mosque for us. He's been praying, don't worry. Yeah. He's been doing that enough praying for us. So, I mean, when was the last time you went to mosque, Sam? Never. <laughs> I'm a bad Muslim. That that's enough. Uh, let's uh let's wrap it up here, I guess. So, um, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, hopefully, three more points in the bag. Hopefully, six more points with the PAOK match, and uh, keep the blue flag flying high. And until then, we'll see you next time.